0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Smart Cities Chronicles podcast, your podcast for everything Smart Cities action, investment and outcomes. Uh, My name is Adam Beck, the host of the Chronicles. Uh, I'm also Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council in the Australia and New Zealand region. Uh, This episode, we head over to Columbus, Ohio and joining me today, Jordan Davis from the Columbus Partnership. Jordan, thanks so much for joining
1: us. Thanks for having me, Adam.
0: Pleasure. Um, looking forward to this one, Jordan. Um, many folks around the world outside of the US have uh, have taken a keen interest, of course, in the uh, the Smart Cities program in the US yeah. and, and Columbus, Ohio, um, getting that big prize many years ago. So um, I haven't really spent much time talking to anyone on the ground. So I'm excited about this one. Um, and what we might do uh, for our listeners, let's sort of um, uh, get a bit of a bio on yourself, uh, and then we might sort of transition to the organisation and hear a little bit more around uh, the Columbus Partnership. Let's, let's start with you uh, in the first sure. instance.
1: Um, well, thanks. I mean, we're I'm excited to be talking to you and to those of our peers in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, we've had some people in the States, and we've gotten to tour around. I've really loved every conversation we've had. Um, with those um, in your neck of the woods. But my, my background comes from being in the center of intersections between the public and private sector and advancing economic development to other community issues around talent retention and education um, and, and so many issues in between. And when we think about where the future of our region and our community is going, Transportation is a huge part of that. In Columbus, we are the fastest growing city in the Midwest, and we're bigger than we ever have been. So we have new problems that our communities never faced before, and our future is inevitably going to have more issues and challenges we're going to have to grapple with as it comes to growth, and transportation is right in the center of that. And unlike decades we've had before, we have technology as a tool in our toolbox, and so I'm really, really excited to bridge the gaps between the expertise and intellectual capital that the private sector has really advanced over uh, many decades and marry that with the public sector mission which is to convert that these systems to public good so that is my background and what i work on every day and the convergence of smart cities here on the ground in columbus
0: and um and the organization itself, Jordan, the Columbus Partnership. Now, I, I note that Smart Columbus being the overall initiative is, uh, is one that is uh, sort of a, a, a journey between, you know, a number of people, the city. But the Columbus yeah. Partnership itself, can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's pretty unique. Um, the model that maybe many people are familiar with would be like a chamber of commerce. Mm-hmm. So, a group of businesses that are coming together. The difference is, is that the Columbus Partnership exists to advance what's good for the community, so community priorities, and then we work with the private sector to bring them together to, to advance that. So one of our mottos is leave your selfish interests at the door, bring your community interests to the table. So we don't do any direct services to help the business's short-term bottom line. Everything we're doing is long-term community Uh, prosperity-oriented work and we bring together the private or large employers uh, to support these types of big goal uh, initiatives in our community.
0: And how long has it been around for?
1: About 15 years now. Uh, Probably it's, you know, most substantial version of itself since 2010.
0: Mm. Okay, so um, okay, that's good. That's a good backdrop. So let's let's kind of break down this timeline a little bit. And um, can we start by um, now refresh my memory? When did you get the fifty million dollar grant? That so would have
1: 2016.
0: been twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay. So um, the lead up to twenty sixteen, the, the 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 sort of the scoping and the preparation of of the grant. Can you give us a sense of? That moment in time and, and <laughs> how it went. Well, were you around at that time?
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah? I was okay. On the team and yeah, I mean honestly, it was such a unique challenge that was presented for a community to come together and think about wow, if you could have this amount of money, how would you use technology and transportation to improve people's lives? It's not oftentimes that you have such an imaginative prompt you know it wasn't very narrow it was very broad and uh we got all of our stakeholders in a room and we even got a satellite office in a incubator space and we all collectively kind of worked out these ideas that we thought were needed based off of community engagement we had done or perspective from other projects people had tried to pursue in the past and an understanding of where technology was going so it really was um a dreamlike environment, but it was highly collaborative from the very, very beginning. We had our utility involved. Um, The effort was led by our city, City of Columbus. We had Battelle, which is a private research institution, as well as uh, the Ohio State University. So the university as well, and then the private sector via the Columbus Partnership. Uh, We had our regional planning commissions and uh, transit authorities. So it was such a multi-stakeholder process and team that had come together around the grant and that was why we were able to Align local investment to match the federal dollars and one of our uh, theories was that we didn't want this to just be a grant that would start and stop or Would be just executed in a department. We really wanted this to be a community-wide transformation and we felt like we had to make that known in our application so we aligned about $90 million of new investment that our partners would make towards the collective goals of the effort. And that uh, was a huge differentiator for us. It, we had about 20 different partners help us get to that $90 million mark. And since then, we're at about $700 million of aligned investment in our community. We've really been able to drive up a bunch of momentum and um, a lot of energy and new uh, new commitment and investment towards the the future of transportation and smart cities.
0: Wow, I, I mean that that um, <clears throat> that power of leveraging sort of the private sector capital or or third mm-hmm. third sector capital is is phenomenal. Is this um, how does this how does this particular sort of project and grant fit with similar things that have happened in Columbus? I mean, is this a big deal kind of thing?
1: absolutely is a big deal. I mean, I think it was a big deal because there was only one winner of the challenge. So to walk away as the sole winner for the United States, that's that's a huge deal and it would have been a huge deal for any city. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in terms of the partnership and how significant was the coming together of the community to make this happen, that's very much ingrained in our DNA. That is something we do time and time again on a lot of different issues. So that we call that the Columbus way and that's how we expect things to get done here. So that was very much natural for us.
0: Yeah, I, I must admit, um, I don't tell anyone. Uh, I was I, I was in the US at the time when uh, when Portland was putting in their bid, right? Because they, because yeah, because yep. they they kind of got to the, the shortlist as well, and um, they mm-hmm. were uh, they, they were very confident. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then
0: and then, and then the the, the award uh, the award winner came out being Columbus, and we thought, really. Oh, that yeah, wasn't meant to be
1: like
0: that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's a uh, that that's a you know that's a fantastic achievement and, and congratulations on that um for our for our listeners that are multitasking and have access to a web browser you can jump into mm-hmm. the website smart.columbus.gov and you can get a bit of a sense for um the partners involved in this and the projects and a whole range of other things so um uh, recommend you try and have a look at that. So um, can I ask a question about the the grant? W- w- mm-hmm. I assume you had this conversation or you, you played with this, an answer to this question. And the question is, if we don't get the grant, what happens? <laughs> what do we do with all of this work that we've put in? I, 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 I assume that that sort of was mentioned or you thought about that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess it absolutely was considered. I think our focus was if we win are we really ready to deliver what we're committing to because we're going to swing really hard at this and that was where most of the conversation sat really Mm -hmm. um i think when you look though you know visions 2020 when you look back and you look at all the cities that didn't win so many of them have actually moved forward with completing the plans and um Project ideas that they had, so they've already really achieved a lot of what they thought they had intended to want to do. And I think that's validation that the exercise of coming together as a community to plan set goals. i'm I'm pretty confident if I would have would think back and we were not in the position we're in, we would have found a way to do some of what we had hoped to get done as it is. Uh, but I mean, I, I'm I'm very happy we're in the position we are for sure. <laughs> and,
0: and Jordan, just um, sorry, just to go back to that other point we were discussing about the the actual um, uh, the the money that had been sort of leveraged. Um, am I right in saying that um, even after winning, you've been able to sort of build additional partners and therefore capital?
1: Totally, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we started with about twenty. I would say we have over, you know, a hundred of really substantial partners that are putting some degree of skin in the game towards towards this effort. And I do want that to be understood. So, so there is cash investment, right, that's coming direct to us that we then have discretion to use uh, towards opportunities that we think are worthwhile for the work. But a lot of it is also organizations or companies putting new money and towards investments that help us meet collective goals so if one of our goals is around growing the market of electric vehicles well we're tracking how many companies are installing workplace charging and we're accounting for that we're counting how many governments and uh, businesses are electrifying their fleet and we're looking those investments would not have happened if we wouldn't have set the goals and the visions that we had through the the challenge so that is really representative of this broader movement, right? That we've been able to, to really catalyze through, through the work.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask a real nerdy question. I should have asked it earlier um, around um, how do I describe this? The, the, the sort of the, the, the entity now I know this is mm-hmm. a range of partners coming together. Can you, uh, well, let me put it this way. If I was to send an invoice to you for something, um, who am I addressing it to? Like who is the entity that makes up this stuff? Did you have to create like a special purpose vehicle or a new nonprofit or are you the backbone organization as the partnership or how does that work?
1: Great, great question. Cause we have a very, a very unique structure. So we're actually a, a, a loose joint venture. So the city of Columbus and then the Columbus partnership are in this you know kind of governing structure so the city is the recipient of the grant dollars there are certain projects that the partnership is a sub-recipient on and then all local investment goes through the partnership uh we have an executive committee that kind of keeps things you know aligned and focused as one initiative we're all co-located so we work out of the same office we have similar meeting cadences um, so there's about you know, 16 on the core team, half are employed by the partnership, half are employed by the city. And then, you know, a whole suite of consultants that I'll I'll work out of here. Um, And then we also have a nonprofit that is the Smart Columbus nonprofit that is, um, doesn't have employees that work for it, but is a, um, an entity that can accept um, contributions and commitments. So depending on the nature of the work in the partner, um, money or an investment can come in on a variety of different um, platforms. But that was very intentional because we wanted to be very adaptive um, and able to, to use each other's strengths uh, and, and really assets and where we're good at um, moving things forward when we, when we needed it most. So we've been able to mm-hmm. have a really adaptive structure.
0: Wow. That, that's, uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I'd, I'd like to get a little bit sort of granular now on, on transport. Um, I, I And look, I'll confess, I, I hadn't really dipped into the website or any information mm-hmm. for, for a little while, but I remember when you beat Portland, I had to see what you did. I remember opening up and downloading the document uh, I remember going through it, and I kind of went, "Ah, oh, damn, that's really good." Um, <laughs> you know, you you had place-based. I think it was like place-based, neighborhood, yep. district kind of things. You had, um, you know, freight and platooning and autonomy, You know, you'd really sort of. Th- there was a bit of everything, and I think as I've become to appreciate the mobility thing more, because I realise it touches every single person every single day in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it it just i think it's under underappreciated and underimagined um one thing one thing that uh at the time of course 2016-17 the whole autonomous vehicle thing was kind of like really you know live and 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 vibrant on on, on the blog sites around the world and avs are going to take over the world i thought your approach um it was a was a directed and, you know, meaningful one for for the goals you wanted to achieve. But I wanted to, I suppose, broadly just ask you, even in those, what, three odd years since you started, um, would you con- confirm or deny that just the mobility space has changed so much? How, how are you, like, there was no e-scooters. When you wrote your right. grant, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I think last year, 2018 in the US, 84 million trips. You know, right. no, no other product on, on earth or company getting that market share in 12 months, you know, would, would ever be seen. So it's a rapidly changing agenda. Can you talk me through how you, you know, I'm sure you've got a plan and, you know, it's all mapped out, but I mean, things change, right?
1: Oh my gosh things change tremendously and in a very nuanced way. And then in a very macro sense as well. I mean, we, great example of the scooters. We had a project which we've just released in beta on the um, app store a month ago. That is its vision is to seamlessly integrate multi um, modal trip planning and common payment systems. So you would have the ability to plan a trip, That would consist of a scooter to a transit stop, take a bus to, you know, your general destination area, and then hail um, a taxi in order to get you directly to your front door of your final destination. And when we had accepted that vision, it was around docked bike share, right? So the amount of players in the ecosystem was pretty narrow and focused in the matter of, you know, very short amount of time, we're talking, you know, four or five new private partners that need to be incorporated just from the scooters. Um, and that doesn't even consist of the other companies that have emerged in micro transit. So that, that, that ecosystem has grown tremendously at a more macro level. But then when you look at a very nuanced level around data sharing requirements and data privacy policies, the amount of work that cities are doing in this space to create collective understanding about what's the right way to do it and how do you commit to um, open data but also uh, really address data quality so that it's usable. I mean, these types of things are um, extremely nuanced and, but very, very important to ever realize this connected and smart city environment where we can more readily um, make things seamlessly integrated. And it's uh, it's a really long journey and it's much longer and harder than I think the headlines of the media portray it to be. Autonomous vehicles, we've been deploying a shuttle here for about 10 months. We'll launch a second shuttle in about three months. And it's not, you know, it's not as graceful and just uh, pop it up and let it go as you might think. And so I think that's also been a lot of the learnings we 've had along the way is ground truthing where things are, but at the same time we 're constantly blown away by where technology is specific, specifically in you know video sensors um, or video as a sensor the the ability to identify what 's going on in such a very specific way, and then that informs you know a whole slew of use cases that make government more efficient and make communities work better so It's uh, such a dynamic space that we're in the center of and so many communities are in the center of. It's another reinforcement why these types of exchanges um, across country, across municipality, across region is so critical so that we can all be sharing our learnings uh, at this really critical time of change.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Um, Can I pivot and talk about... um... Social equity for a moment i I, I do remember, and you 'll have to remind me I apologize I think I remember in reading really the the original bid, um, you had a very strong focus around around equitable yeah. transportation. Um, I think even in your sort of core priority projects, there was you know, access to mobility in low-income neighborhoods. Can you, Definitely. can you sort of share with us uh, that that journey? And uh, are you sort of achieving your goals in that way? What are you What are you finding around um, you know social equity and mobility?
1: Well, I mean, that is the north star of our program. We want technology to work to solve real problems, right? And to solve real problems for the people that need it most. And our mayor is very forward-thinking on these issues and has set an expectation that mobility needs to be the great equalizer of the 21st century. And it, we all have in our uh, community and in our society. So one of the things that we're working on is we're focusing on one neighborhood, um, specifically the neighborhood is called Linden. It is one of, are our lowest income areas in our community and associated with that are a wide um, menu of problems that residents there are confronted with. One of which is a uh, what we see as a, a crisis in infant mortality and that too many of the mothers, young mothers there, are not getting their baby to their first birthday or In some instances not even getting a full-term birth and that is a huge issue and it's unfairly impacting african-american families and those in poverty but absolutely there is a um, data trend that suggests the concentration of this in Linden is um, abnormal and so when we got into the data through end-user engagement a partnership with sidewalk labs actually that did a study for us we really started to understand that just improving the system overall of transportation actually wasn't going to cut it. That there were dependencies for transportation um, that were rooted in the Medicaid system that were not meeting the need. And because of that, many mothers were not even going to their appointments. And so it's definitely not the silver bullet solution, but it's a part of the problem. And so we actually changed our portfolio of projects and introduced a new project to get right at this um, problem uh, with what we think to be a really viable solution and a market-ready solution. We're studying it with researchers at Ohio State so that we can be very thoughtful about understanding will this actually be something that moves the needle in the outcomes and then therefore can we have a broader policy change at the state level um, that kind of requires this more on-demand real-time transportation service to um, meet the needs of mothers on Medicaid. So we have, I think the story of that is while we, when we proposed it, we had the right intentions, but we still have learned so much by engaging with the community and really understanding what the real problems are and the willingness to look, um, super credit to the City of Columbus and their willingness to look in the mirror and say, yeah, the project as initially proposed isn't going to solve that problem, you know, or it's not going to solve it enough. So we need to try again or reframe it or change the route. Um, We did the same thing with the self-driving shuttle. We were going to do a self-driving shuttle up in the northern end at a commercial kind of retail center and that use case, it just wasn't strong enough at solving a real problem. So we moved it into the neighborhood of Linden, where it'll connect a transit center to a, um, a, a community center and to neighboring um, amenities in the, in the area. And so I think the willingness by the project team to, to put our um, investments where our mouth is, is a huge um, statement towards the seriousness that we've tried to approach the equity uh, equation.
0: Mm um uh, blows my mind when i hear um just the you know the agility and 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 pivoting and responding um and and the commitment one uh you, you mentioned there uh research jordan can you give me a little bit of a uh, insight into the uh the kind of partnerships you've got around research how is yeah. you know what what are you what how do you decide what you research i mean there's just so much in this in this project how how is that playing out
1: i mean i will be honest when we, when we got involved in this it was easy to say these will be research pro- projects but it is so hard um, to to really shape it and i think that you're getting right at that point with your question Um, there are some really interesting things that we're gonna prove out, but how do you make them something that's really controlled and um, that can really produce some scalable insights and some really, I think, um, groundbreaking objective truths that will help other people um, build off of what we've been able to do. And so we've partnered with The Ohio State University as our primary research partner. They've put in $2 million into new research that they've matched uh, researchers in the university with projects and kind of scoped a project from there. Um, and then we also have a partnership with the national renewable energy labs funded by the department of energy. We have a, um, a researcher and residence from the labs that is connecting dots for us from researchers in the system to our project around transportation and electrification and battery research and all of that. Um, you know, it, it ranges in the research that we're doing. We're doing it from very much, you know, full project evaluation to insights based off of behavior. So we have a partnership with a a professor in looking at how do people perceive electric vehicles and how that perception emotes a brand, right, Um, that they either associate with or not. And uh, they're studying our ride and drive program. We'll do about 12,000 test drives and they've Surveyed um, all of these participants and are doing a pretty comprehensive look at how people adopt sustainable technologies in their daily lives. Uh, Electric vehicles being one of the biggest things a person can do um, to solve for GHG emissions. So it's been kind of cool to find all these um, real experts, right? And to be able to connect them. We've partnered with Harvard on a few projects and writing case studies and uh, doing student projects. We've also done capstone work with um, senior courses. We probably do about three or four classes a year um, with graduate programs. So it's been, uh, it's been a huge priority for us, but it's not something that just happens casually. It takes a lot of intention and time to really scope out and, and ask the right questions about what problems do we think we can solve? What insights do we think we can generate that are of interest? So it's a, it's a huge part of it.
0: And and for our listeners, um, I reiterate the uh, the recommendation to jump on the website uh, for Smart Columbus. There's a uh, a huge range of um, uh, case studies, examples. You, you've you've been publishing impact reports from from the uh, from the project. Um, there's a lot of sharing going on here, which is which is sort of delightful. Um, probably a couple of questions left, Jordan. One is. Um, I kind of sit here and I listen and um, I look at the website and I think to myself, um, how much of this is planned versus sort of just organic? I mean, this is, this is there's like, what, is there a playbook you're following here? Or is it sort of just, you know, you're, you're agile, you're, you respond to needs, you've got some priorities. How, how does this sort of manifest as a project that stays together and sticks together?
1: Well, there's a little bit of both. I mean the federally funded projects do have a very rigorous um, set of plans that the team is following and concept of operations documents, all of which are published on the playbook as you um, referenced on our website so that people can have those extensive engineering documents and kind of know the course that we've charted for ourselves. But then there is a whole other side of the DNA of our initiative that is absolutely more agile and responsive. One example, we're building um, a really modern contemporary data management platform from the ground up, and it is done with user needs of communities in mind and um, project managers and people within cities and within nonprofits and academia that need more sophisticated systems to handle real-time data. That is de-siloed and brought together from a lot of different systems. And so it is um, one heck of an investment and an undertaking. We have about 35 developers that work here every day um, building it. Wow. But it's um, totally agile, right? Like we can't tell you, you know, three months from now, what's the feature set? Because we're validating it as we go. And every two weeks we um, scope, and we can move things around in our timeline based off of needs as we're talking to end users and we're scoping out pilots for the platform. Um, we can start to move our our timelines around. so that's been a tremendous effort, and it's very different right than the traditional waterfall approaches. It's very much within the spirit of technology and agile methodology, and that has been something that those principles of agile is something we've tried to take from the collective central management of the initiative too is really thinking of things in a, in a sprint-like uh, framing so mm-hmm. that because we know so many things are variable and we're, we're sticking our neck out further than our community's ever done on certain issues and some's welcome and some's not resonating. So, um, you know, it's, it's worth our investment to change course sooner rather than later. So fail fast and um, take those learnings and apply them uh, to be more successful in the next, you know, few weeks. So, We try internally to have very open communication. We have no offices. We are totally open floor plan across all of our partnering organizations here. We have about 50 people in this office. Um, Yeah, and we're just, we're trying to embrace that kind of agile work style while also respecting, you know, the rigor of some of the engineering projects that they call for with the federal dollars as well.
0: Mm, I love it. Um, so last question now, Jordan, you know, the next 12 months, uh, what does it look like? And what are you most excited about?
1: Ooh, um, I would say the next 12 months might be the most dynamic of this entire journey. Uh, we are, we're coming up towards the final, um, the final stint of the grant dollars. So, Mm. you know, we have two grants and one ends next year. The one, the, the big one ends in 2021. Um, but as I mentioned before, when we applied, this was never intended to be a start and stop. It's not that we've arrived at being smart, right? Mm. This is a journey. You're not, there isn't a destination. And I think of all things that we've learned, we've learned there's more to do, right? And we're not done. These were just demonstrations, um, to help inform bigger bets we need to make as a community about how we move forward and be future ready for, for, um, what's to come. So for me, what I'm most excited about is the community alignment to occur all over again on another set of ambitions and for the um, appetites uh, to really be transformed into new action on uh, what is new and next for our community Um, and i think the process is is what i am most excited about is to watch how the conversation has changed from three years ago when we knew very little about (laughs) what the technology held but we thought that the promise was worthy enough to to commit to do it and now we know so much more Um, where do we think the where do we think we can make the most traction and what have we not tried that now needs to be tried and there's something else there so i really look forward Um, we're in those conversations now they've been very fruitful and substantial I'm excited for the, you know, next 12 months of really digging in and um, thinking about how we sustain this beyond the grant.
0: Well, Jordan, I'm, I wish you and the team um, all success. Um, you have you have promised that you're going to come out to Australia next year, and I'm going yes. to try. I'm going to try and make that happen. So we'll we'll work through something there. But for now, we need to. Uh, unfortunately, we need to. Uh, we need to sort of wrap there. So um, uh, thanks so much uh, for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really would look forward to uh, coming out and learning all that you guys are doing out there.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much. So for our listeners, that's Jordan Davis being with us today, Director at Smart Columbus, working with the Columbus Partnership. Uh, For our listeners who are not subscribing to The Chronicles, you can do so on your usual, typical, favourite podcast platforms. You can also reach out to us uh, on email. Our address is chronicles at anz smartcitiescouncil.com. You can head to our website, smartcitieschronicles.com. Until our next episode, keep